0: here to introduce you to a game changer in the world of performance headwear, Fractal. Now, you know, I've always believed that our passion for sports and the great outdoors should never be compromised by anything, especially not by our gear. And that is why I'm beyond excited to share with you the incredible world of Fractal performance headwear. Now, Fractal hats are not just your ordinary hat. They're engineered with innovation and precision, to elevate your outdoor experience like never before. Whether you're pushing the boundaries in an ultra marathon or seeking mindfulness on a peaceful run, these hats are designed to keep up with your every move. Now, they are built to withstand the most challenging conditions crafted with premium materials that wick away moisture, keep you dry and cool when the intensity rises. But wait, yes, it gets better. Fractal doesn't just excel in functionality Their hats are a testament to style and sophistication with a range of captivating designs and colors. You'll find a hat that resonates with your soul and embodies your spirit as an athlete. Now I've got some really, really cool news. So I've teamed up with Fractal and they are offering an exclusive discount for our listeners. Just use the code RUNNINGMATTERS at checkout and you will receive a 15% discount on your purchase. That's right. 15% off to upgrade your headwear game. You know, every athlete understands the importance that one piece of gear that becomes an extension of who you are. For me, Fractal hats have become that symbol. A symbol of unity, of pushing boundaries, of connecting with nature on a profound level. So please don't miss this opportunity to experience Fractal's difference firsthand. Head over to Fractal.com now and remember to use the code running matters during checkout to claim your 15 percent off discount it's time to embrace your journey unleash your potential and look damn good whilst doing so with fractal performance headwear now back to the show
1: i i never used to be this good like i when i started in high school i was you know just started cross country. Um, you know, we're doing distances from like two to six K's and I struggled with those distances. I was always a back of the pack runner during the training. Um, but I just stuck with it. So I I got to where I am today through, through building those foundations and just having consistency and just basically not giving up. So it's not like I, I just started running and I was just naturally gifted. Uh, this is something I've built over years and years and years of just being consistent and being stubborn and just striving to, to do better.
0: We're doing it. We're finally doing it. We are That's finally, it. finally doing All, it. all the sales um, lines Yeah. Um, look, thanks for, thanks for doing this. I, I know it's been a long time coming and, I guess with you I oh, I don't know where to start like uh, there's there's uh, there's so much I want to talk about like your running resume your ultra resume is massive so well first of all welcome to the show welcome to the running deep podcast yeah. and um
1: yeah thank you for having yeah, me yeah
0: that's all right um so I think for me Again, this podcast is, I guess it, it's for other people, but for me personally, I think my biggest question is um, why? What is your why? Like, what? Where does that come from? Because I guess for the people that don't know who you are, um, you got what one hundred and two la- or one hundred and two hours at um, Dead Cow Gully last year, getting yeah. the world record, yeah. which is oh like oh my god like oh my 102 hours of running i just cannot i've got a few little sleeps in there as well oh yeah a few little (laughs) but like like, again i want to touch on that i want to go and get into all that and i think the best place to start with you is why like what got you into running and why do you want to push yourself to these extremes
1: um, it was kind of a bit, I wouldn't say accidental, but it, it certainly wasn't planned. Like I've always been a bit of a runner since high school, but I, I was never like, you know, one day I want to do like a hundred miles to around 200 miles. Mm. It was, I was happy doing my, my five Ks. Um, I was, you know, maybe one day I'll do a marathon just to say that I've done it, but you know, it's not really what mm. I want to do. Um I, I was really happy and content just doing the the shorter, faster stuff. Um, and it just kind of, as things do, just um sort of got a bit of momentum and um, yeah, before I knew it, i was I was signing up for a twelve hour run and then a backyard run and a twenty four hour run, and it just kind of mm. um, escalated a bit. so, the only reason I signed up for that first 12 hour is because I had a free entry. Um, mm. It was for the Light Horse Ultra, uh, and there was a, th- at the time there was a three hour, a six hour, and a 12 hour. Um, They've since added a 24 hour. But because I'm like, oh, it's a free entry, I might as well just do the most expensive one and get my value for money. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, and I thought, you know what? Even if I can't do 12 hours and I can do half of it, then it's you know, effectively the same as signing up for the six hour anyway. Well, you know, even if I just do three hours, it's effectively the same as signing up for three hours. So I might as well sign up for the for the longest. Um. So yeah, I'd signed up for the twelve hour, not really knowing how I'd go. I didn't have much of a plan other than, like, I just saw it as a tortoise in the hare race. I just slow, steady pace, uh, mm-hmm. and just see if I can maintain that. Um. And yeah, I kind of started probably like mid-pack there were a lot a lot of runners out ahead of me um but I wasn't at the back either um and I just stuck to my pace and you know I start you know people ahead of me you know might have gone out too hard and they need to stop for a a rest or a sleep and I just see my name keep crawling up the leaderboard um Mm. they had the live tracking and I was like oh I might actually do all right in this run and I just I just kept that mentality of just keep plodding along at a consistent pace and um, ended up finishing second um, in that <laughs> event. And so for my first sort of official ultra, um, I was yeah. I was pretty stoked with that. Um, so I kind of thought that was the point where I thought, you know, I might have a bit of a, a talent for this thing, but I wouldn't really say I got bitten by the ultra bug. Like it was still another year and a half until I signed up for my next Ultra. Like I wasn't itching to find out when the next one was and and sign up for it straight away. Um but yeah the next one that came up was the um the Birdie's backyard, which is the first
0: yeah, I think this yeah. that was the I think that was what sort of I guess for me put you on the map or on my radar. Um because I think how far did you go on that? You were
1: – So that was thirty nine hours.
0: Yeah it so was about two hundred and 60
1: k's or something yeah um so yeah so that was like when I heard of that um format I didn't really know too much about it I didn't know that it was this thing that had been happening all over the world and all over Australia um you know I just thought it was like just this unique sort of event where you run 6.7 k's on the hour every hour and like you know what that sounds like something I could do and I'd like to sort of test myself and see how far I can go um, and it, it is it's the perfect event to kind of find what your limits are and even if you've never run a, a marathon before or 100k like this is an event that you can go into and you can just you know slowly tick off those laps and then yeah before you know it, you're at a marathon and you might still be feeling really good and feel like mm-hmm. you can go a bit further and then you've done a 50k and then you've done 75 k's, and you've done 100 uh, so it's a great format for from that point of view Um, so when I enter this event as well, um, I even remember just talking with people at the start of the event and, you know, people are throwing out names about, you know, who's going to be in the top and Mm. it's like, oh, how, how far do you think this will go? Um, you know, one of the guys I was having a chat with is like, oh, you know, I reckon we'll get to about, you know, the, the final five at about 30 hours. And, you know, these will be the runners that'll be up there. And they're they're all like pretty well-known ultra runner Mm. names in, in the Perth community, and you know, I I would never have put my name up there as being you know one of the top five. Um, I I thought I could get to 24 hours. So there were some, there were a couple of unofficial ultras I'd done before, which were 24 hours. Um, I might touch on that a bit later, but it was basically 24 park runs in 24 hours. So it, it was 120 k's. So as far as the length of time goes, um. Yeah, I knew that I I would be able to, I should be able to last 24 hours and it was just about hanging on mm. after that point and seeing how far I could go. And then, yeah, as it turned out, like got to 24 hours, there was probably, I don't know, maybe five or six people left. I can't remember exactly. It was no more than 10. Um, and I'm kind of looking around, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm still here with all these other top ultra runners, like what's going on? And I just kept ticking over the laps and these other guys are, are dropping out. And before I know it, it's just me and one other guy left uh, fighting it out as the last two. And I kind of, yeah, just had to look around and be like, how did I How did I find myself here? Like, yeah. this isn't what I expected. And I I was feeling, by the time it was down to just two of us, I wasn't, I was feeling pretty rubbish. Like I'd, I'd pushed myself further than I ever had before. Um, the other guy that was still running, Michael Hooker, you might have heard of him. Um, he was looking really good. And so mentally for me, that was like, like I didn't think there was any way that I could win it. Um, and yeah, it was just to see how far I could go. But then at the same time, there was like, but there is that, that chance that I could win. So if I just hang in for the next lap, then maybe something mm. will happen and, you know, he might drop out. Um but, yeah, I kind of hung on for as long as I could. Um, I struggled on lap 38. I came in with, like, five minutes to spare. Uh, 39 was even more of a struggle. I came in with, like, two minutes to spare. I basically just collapsed after I came over the finish line. And then everyone got around me. It's like, come on, get up, get up. You know, get, you got to start the yeah. next lap. And I'm like, oh, I really don't think I can. But I got to the start line anyway. And I do Yeah ended up taking a a couple of steps uh, after that start and then I just collapsed again. I'm like, no, that's me. Mm. That's me done. Um, So yeah, I I felt absolutely destroyed at the end of that. Um, But at the same time, I was like, I was just blown away by what I had achieved and how far Mm. I'd pushed myself. And it just gave me this hunger that, you know, I want to get better at this. Like this is an event I came into without a lot of expectations, without a lot of, proper like no um training structure or you know i didn't have any organization or planning Mm -hmm. going into it i just kind of thought i could wing it and i was just like if i can you know focus on this event um you know get my training dialed in um you know put a bit more thought into the planning and organization and all of that then you know i want to really see Mm -hmm. how far i can go like yeah, 39 hours, um, it was a long way, but I was like, I want to see if I can go further than that. And that's, that's kind of where I think the love for that format developed. Um, you know, I have, you know, through that, I've also obviously got the passion for a lot of other ultra events. Like I've done 100-mile runs, you know, quite a few 50K runs, um, you know, still do the 24 and the 12-hour the runs, um, but yeah, ultimately it's all kind of been driven from that backyard, I think, because that's yeah. kind of when I realised that this is um, you know, this this is something that I'm good at and something that I'm I'm passionate about. And even just, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books and reading other people's run reports, you know, I just wanted to soak in all of that information and, you know, learn about Learn about this sport, and you know all the things I can do to to help improve myself.
0: Like you know, just to piggyback off that, you know, you you thirty nine hours. How many years ago was that? That was
1: that was yeah. at the end of twenty twenty. So
0: yeah, like so three you, and a half you know, years ago. Three and a half years ago, thirty nine hours, and that was your, you know, that was your max capacity, and then last year. 102 hours like 60 odd hours 62 hours plus you know on top of 39 or 63 hours of shit at math but you know there's a there's a massive arc there that that's a jump you know that's another what oh, nearly 3 days you know to add to that so in that sort of 3 3 year period Is my math right? Or two and a half, whatever you get it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What does that look like to get to 102 hours for the for the at the time? You know the official world record for the backyard ultra because you just don't go. Yep. You know, I'm I'm doing this. I'm pushing myself. Like, what were some of the training protocols, uh, the the basic stuff that you were doing to? To go an extra two and a half days or so.
1: Um. Yeah. So it's it's not like I finished that thirty nine hours and I'm like, right, okay, you know, I want to do hundred hours. Like, what do I need to do to get there? It was just kind of just looking at the next at the next mm. event, the next sort of milestone. And it's um. So the next one after that was Herdies, and at the time the Australian record was forty six hours, and so I wasn't too far. My thirty nine hours wasn't too far off of that. So I thought I'd set that as kind of a milestone and let's see if I can reach that and then let's see how far I can keep going after that. So, yeah, the next event, um, yeah, got ended up uh, winning that and getting 48 hours um, and that was with uh, Kevin Matthews as the assist. And so we ran together for, I think it was from like 34 hours and I remember when it was down to just us two and I'd kind of had this intention of, um, you know, eyeing off this Australian record and I remember just saying to him when it was just us two, um, it was it was kind of almost as as a joke and to kind of um, put him off and maybe make him think about dropping out. But I said, um, okay, Kev, it's just you and me. Like, we got to get to the Australian record now because, as you know, with the backyard, as soon as that second last person drops out, mm. um, the last person only does one more lap. So as soon as Kev dropped out, And then i'll just do one more and so i'd need him to get to 45 for me to get to 46 and that would equal the record and then i'd need him to go one more so i could get 47 and beat it um and yeah so we we ran together for yeah for what what was it 34 hours to 46 and we equaled the australian record and i was like you know this is pretty cool but i'm ready to stop now like you know, kind of hoping that Kev would just drop out, and he he kind of pushed on a couple more laps, and it got me to 48, which um, which is which is a pretty cool number to reach because that's two full days, and that gets you into yeah. the, the 200 mile club. Um, so yeah, from there I had the Australian record 48 hours. It's like, you know, each event after that, it was just like, okay, let's see if I can beat my PB. Um, and you know, I'd never have that as a as a goal as such. It'll It'll be a milestone, like a, but I would never, I was very cautious about setting goals because I didn't say, you know, I want to reach 50 hours at the next one. Because then once you get to 50 hours, it's like you've reached your expectations and it kind of might give mm. you an excuse to drop out. So it's always, I've got to get at least there, but then I'm going to see how much further I can push it. And yeah, so there was, um, at each event I kind of pushed up a little bit. There might have been, I mean, there were some events where I didn't, didn't quite, um, get my PB again but I'm still learning from those events and the thing that was limiting me like as the last one standing um you can only as I said you can only go as far as that assist pushes you Mm. so um yeah so sometimes that was out of my control if um I I was you know ready to keep going but then you know the assist would stop and I'd have to stop um after that I remember I think hurt is the following year when the record was the record at that time was 51 hours which I'd got at birdies. um i remember i got to like 50 hours and the assistant dropped out at 49 and i was kind of like it was cool that i'd been able to do that again um but i was kind of just a little bit like a little part of me was like oh you know he just had mm. to hang on for one more lap um but that's just the way of the backyard ultra um but yeah pretty much every every event i've done you know i've learned something from and you know, I fine tune my plan. So, mm.
0: um,
1: if if you look at a, um, my results on like a graph, it's not like a continuous line upwards. It does come come down a bit and goes up, um, but the general trend is that it it's going it's up. up. And yeah, and part of that as well is just you know, especially the last kind of few events I've been to, I've targeted ones that have you know had. um you know, other runners who I knew could push me the distance. Mm. So going into, um, so Satellite Champs in 2022, that was over in Melbourne. That was all the top top runners from around Australia. So you top 15 and it being the championships, you have to qualify to get into that. So I ended up doing 76 at that one. And then Dead Cow Gully was another one that was, um, initially it was like, you have to do 35 yards to qualify, but then um, it changed and you kind of let, Anyone in, but it still kind of had that, um, yeah, you know, that feel of that more elite people were targeting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was where I was able to get to 102. And then, of course, the world championships where you're getting all the top runners from around the world. Mm. Um, wasn't quite able to get a, a PB or a record in that one, but still to do 100 laps again, only four months mm. after doing. The hundred two, you know, I can't can't really be disappointed with that.
0: So, like, out of out of like, again, as I said at the start, you know, your your running resume is is massive. Like, you've got a lot of races under your belt. Now out of all those races, like, what was the standout for you? What was the one that you actually, I guess, got the most out of or enjoyed the most?
1: Ah, oh, that's uh. That's a hard question because there's a lot of a lot of runs that I like for different reasons. Um, but I think Herdy's the first year, um, so that was my second backyard. Um, when I crossed the finish line then, that was probably the first moment where I felt like I was an ultra runner. Like I remember mm. thinking like I'm an ultra runner now. Even though I'd done ultra runs before, For me, this was kind of like um, a confirmation of my abilities. Like birdies, I was like, you know, oh, that could have been a fluke, you know, like everyone just dropped out before me, you know, and, you know, they they might have not been taking it seriously or, you know, I got lucky Um, and I just thought, you know, it could have just been a fluke, like everything just kind of lined up for that. Um, But then coming into herdies and, you know, having a proper training plan and, you know, um, you know sorting out all my organization and, and logistics side mm. of things and then just having all of that sort of play out and um you know just all seeing it make a big difference mm. and then being able to win that event that is where I felt like yes I'm an ultra runner now so that's probably um yeah I, lo- I love that event for that reason um and also i just had a great time running with kev for those last those last sort of 10 15 hours um mm. you know it, it was just like a real sort of bonding experience and um so it's that that's an event that i always kind of look back on as as one of my favorites but i mean you can't go past like getting the world record like just the way that i felt <laughs> on that last yeah. lap yeah um when because that last lap i knew like, it was just me on that lap. It wasn't like, you know, there was two of us left and I was just waiting for the other guy to drop out. But from the start of that lap, I knew it was my last one. You know, just going around the course, I was just, you know, I wasn't, I, I've done that course so many times, but I wasn't sick of it and glad for it to be over. But I was just, like, embracing it and I was just, like, taking in all my surroundings. You know, I took my phone out to take a, a video, mm. like, just to capture that moment. And I just really, yeah, I just really enjoyed that last lap and then just coming back in and, you know, they're playing the music for me and, you know, my, my wife and the rest of my crew are there waiting for me and everyone's cheering me in and, you know, high fives and all that. It was just, I mean, yeah, it's pretty hard to, to top that feeling. So.
0: Uh, Like I, I, again, I, I I just watched, I've watched it twice now, but that, um, the actual film for well the, there was a videographer there and i think tim uh for those who don't know tim's the race director uh shout out to tim um but yeah tim hired that guy who did the video and he it was released yes. a while back and i've every single time i'm on the bike or so or oh, just the indoor bike i i watch it cuz it's it's if not one of my uh, i don't watch that many running I guess documentary sort of things. Um, but that one was my favorite because it was so real and raw and watching, you know, the last three, you know, you, Sam, uh, Harvey just battle it out to get as far as you could go and to watch Sam cry with his mom and his family. You know, it was it was like a this is real. Like I guess when you're looking at at it from a screen and you're watching the results come through you are sort of like ah like whatever but you know when when you're in it and you and you're you know you're experiencing it there and watching it on the video it's like it, it was it, i if not probably one of my most favorite videos like just to capture the real raw essence of the human spirit and what you personally you know pushed yourself to so my biggest question here is like you're coming into those last, let's say, three four laps. How, like, what does that look? What does that look like to be so deep into it? Like for me, you know, I, I look at and go, "Oh, he's just running and he looks fresh." But you know, when you're in that moment of absolute, I guess, I don't know, like, were you suffering? Were you hurting? Like, what does it physically look like for? I guess my audience. I guess. Uh, I guess conceptualize what that is what that experience is
1: um yeah definitely I mean you can't run that that far without hurting like I, I, I did have a bit of pain but it wasn't anything that was going to uh, limit me or or stop me running mm. um you know it's just something it, you kind of just um you get you get to that point gradually like if mm. someone kind of just you know plucks me off of the couch and put me into that situation with you know all of those you know 100 hours of of pain like just straight into my legs um i'd probably just collapse and wouldn't be able to move because it'd just be such a shock to the system mm. but you kind of build it up gradually and you never you're never thinking well i try not to think about how far i'm going to go so when i'm starting there on lap one I'm just thinking about lap one maybe lap two and mm-hmm. lap three yeah. like you know what I've got coming up in the immediate future but I'm not standing at that start line thinking oh geez I got to go and run for 100 hours and even even when I go to these events where I know it's probably going to go really long and you know where there's probably no chance that it's going to be finishing you know less than 50 hours even I'm, I'm never really looking at it you know thinking that I'm going to like, I'm not projecting that far ahead. So you just take it lap by lap. And so when you get up to that point and you, you're in the 100 hours, you know, like, you're still only just looking that few laps ahead. And even, like, looking back, like, I mean, it's cool to think, oh, you know, I started here four days ago. But you're not really focused on mm. how much you've already run. You're just thinking about, you know, those next few laps. And, um, yeah, like, you've already you've already come that far, like what's what's another mm-hmm. couple of laps, you know, like what's the, um? yeah, I, I think as you get towards the end as well, like e- even 10 hours can seem like a short time. Like when we're in the 90s and you just think, oh, only another 10 hours and we'll be in the 100s, like those are the kind of thoughts that go through your head. But for other people who might be beginners at this, starting at the start line and thinking, oh, you know, I've got to, run ten hours at least. Like that ten hours, that can seem like a lot. But whereas once you've already done like ninety hours, it's like, yeah, what's another ten hours? So yeah, you kind of just yeah, you get to that point gradually. Um, you get to that sort of pain level gradually. You you and your your threshold for pain is, you know, gradually pushed out a little bit more. And um it it gets pretty exciting when you get to the end of these events as well. Like if you um. yeah because you're in new territory you know you've got like the world record coming up and it get you know you've got that adrenaline and that excitement you know all the crowd is getting really passionate about it as well and they're egging you on to keep going so I, I think yeah like the, the start of the event can be really easy because you're nice and relaxed. It's social. There's a lot of people around in the middle. You get like that hard grind where you just got to do mm. the work to, to get through to the end. But then, yeah, when you get to the end and there's only like two or three of you left, you know, it get it gets really exciting again. And you just, yeah, you, you, I mean, I try not to think that, you know, we're at the end, but there's that vibe about it, you know, and you just, mm. yeah, it's exciting and it's new and you're, you're pushing limits and you're, you're breaking records. So um, yeah, it just it gets really exciting and then yeah everyone gets well, behind you.
0: For me, I guess the only again, the only way I can truly relate to pushing myself to that is you know doing um, you know the the butter 48 hour on uh, a university running track. And what I realize is my like I'm complete opposite to that. I fucking hate the start. You know, my, I don't like starting the race. I just want to get to the grind. You know, my I just want to uh, get to the really hard yards because that's where I know for me personally, that's where I excel. That's I know how to hurt. I know how to suffer. And that's my favorite part of the race where even for let's say a long run or something like that for my training, I just hate the first initial 10 kilometers. Cause it's like, ah, oh, like I have to, I, I just want to be in it already. And I I don't like the, you know, kilometer after kilometer after kilometer, I just want to hurt and I want to be in the suck already. So I've, I've personally got to just learn how to, I get, learn how to suffer early. Like that's the only way I'm going to, I guess, do well at some of these big, bigger events. So it's, yeah, that's the only, (laughs) I've only done one solid uh, run in the past, but I've still got a long, and and again, why I do the podcast is talking to you, trying to. It's funny with these podcasts. I actually take notes after I re-listen to them to see what I've actually learned from these. Um, okay. you know, so going piggy piggybacking off that, you know, like the mental. I guess everyone wants to know, especially with with you, like what what is the mental side? Like, what are you thinking about? when you with any of your runs when it, with anything that you're pushing yourself like what's going what's going through your head what's the self talk what's the you know are you, are you going oh you can do this you can do this or are you just so like tunnel vision nothing else matters you're just in that moment
1: um yeah i think it's more i'm just i I just don't want to quit um i don't want to dnf i just um you know i don't I don't have a lot of that self-talk. Like, I, I don't feel like I need to convince myself, like, you know, you can do this, you can do this. It's like I kind of just take that as a, as a, not as a given, but it's kind of more like I know that I can do well. Like, I don't need to try and convince myself of that. Mm. And um, it's just a matter of how long it's going to take, not if I can do it, it's when.
0: Mm.
1: when is this going to, finished kind of thing. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I definitely go through like downward spirals and then, you know, I pick back up again. And, but I think, um, my my crew does really well in doing that positive talk for me. So, you know, they might, you know, come and chat with me and remind me about, you know, the, the events that I've done before and, you know, the, the struggles that I've had before and how I've overcome and, um, but yes, as far as the self-talk goes, it's, there might be a little bit of it, but it's more of like I'm just stubborn. And there's just kind of this <laughs> innate kind of feeling that when I sign up for these events, like I'm going to be there till the end. Mm. Um, certainly don't take it for granted that, you know, I'm definitely going to be there. Like I'll, I'll look around and like I know that any any other one of those runners has the potential to take it out. Like I used to be, you know. I used to be the underdog in these events and think that, you know, I've I've come from a place of of not doing, um, really well to to where I am today. So, mm. you know, what's to stop someone else from coming in and and beating mm. me? So, um, but yeah, I guess yeah. There, there's, I guess there's a lot of confidence there a lot of uh stubbornness and yeah if i'm if i'm going to get out of the race um it will have to be something that's out of my control like yeah. if it's an injury um you know if i've had some sort of medical emergency or something like these these are the only reasons i'm going to stop running it's not going to i'm never going to be like oh you know i've had enough or you know yeah. just general soreness or You know, I'm just getting bored, or I don't think I can beat the other person. Um, But when I go into these events, it's my my goal is never to win. It's never to get a record. It's never to, um, you know, get a a PB. Um, They're all kind of nice sort of milestones to reach. But my number one goal purely intrinsic. Yeah, it's just just to stay in for as long as possible, because as soon as you lose focus of that of your goal, then that's when I think things kind of unravel. Mm. So if you go in it with a goal of, of, you know, I'm going in this to win it, as soon as you start struggling and you're looking around and everyone else is, is looking really strong straight away, you're thinking, Oh, I'm not going to be able to win this. And you're going to find it hard to keep going. Whereas if your goal is to just stay in as long as possible, you might be feeling like rubbish and looking around and seeing everyone else is looking really good. But to do one more lap is staying in longer then you know mm-hmm. if it's to drop out now. So that's all you focus on is doing that one more lap. And as long as you keep focusing on that and and focusing on staying in as long as possible, then a lot of the times that will help you win the event or will help you get a PB or get a record or, or you know reach, reach a certain um, milestone.
0: So, like to to change gears here a bit, you know, I I saw you just posted something you know about David Goggins on. Instagram and you know what's your take on that like you're you're a guy that can run a a really 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 long way and you know he can do the same but like you know you said if what was it you know if you're not enjoying it you're doing it wrong so like what's your take on this whole I guess it's a trend at the moment David Goggins is the in thing right now people uh, you know it's a verb when you say I'm going to Goggins it you know so what's your sort of take on that that whole ideology of pushing yourself to your limit, even though you don't want to.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard for me to relate to him when he talks like that, because, because I I run because I enjoy it. Like, you know, I went out on a 60 K run the other day. um, And from the moment I left home, um, I just really enjoyed that whole run. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't like that a lot of ultra running is that type two fun where it might not be fun in the moment, but you look back and it's like, you know, that was really good. Like I really achieved something like that actually was fun, but type you know, two some of my fun. Long-
0: yeah. I love that type. I've yeah. never, ever heard that before. Type two fun. I'm going to use that. That's sorry. Keep going. Yeah. I have, that's, that's amazing.
1: Okay. But yeah, anyway, so like I go on these long runs and I'm actually just really enjoying the process of being out there. Um, you know, like I'm I'm running to the beach and I'm getting some really good scenery. I'm like stopping at the beach and going for a little swim. So, you know, if David Goggins is going out there and he's hating every minute of of his run, then, you know, he's, he's doing something wrong. And I mean, even on the days where I, I don't feel like running and I might not necessarily enjoy it, um, you know, I still get out there, but I'm not hating it, wishing I was back home. Like it's still, yeah, you're still kind of building towards something and you're still having in this experience. So, I mean, I think David Goggins, he's, he's got, he's got like a lot of um, good quotes and stuff. And um, like he's, he's an extreme example and it he's, he he shows an example of what a human being is actually capable of. Should you push yourself to that level though? Probably not. Like if you've got, he talks about running in one of the ultras where he had like two broken legs. It's like, if that's the case, you should probably stop and seek medical attention because I mean, yes, you might be able to get through that and you might be able to finish the race, but you might've just done yourself a whole lot of more damage. Like he's, if you read his book, he talks about, you know, he's he's collapsing in the shower and he needs like urgent medical attention. It's like, you probably shouldn't be pushing yourself to that limit. Um, it, it kind of like, to me, it's, it's a bit like reading, reading those books about people that have been in survival situations. So um, you've got touching the void about that guy who was left stranded. Was it on Everest or one of the other mountains? Mm. Um, you've got 127 hours where, Aaron Rolstron was going Mm. on a run and he's had to cut his own arm off. It's like these sort of stories, they show you what the human body is capable of surviving. But the difference with David Goggin's story is he does that to himself intentionally. Like Aaron Rolstron's not purposely going out there and getting his arm stuck just so he can cut it off and, and prove to everyone what he's capable of. No, he just gets stuck in that situation. But because of his his mindset and his resilience, he's able to to survive it. Whereas, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be encouraging you going out and running on mm. broken legs, or you know, if you're sitting in your chair at the aid station and you're shitting yourself, like don't try to hide it <laughs> so you can keep running. Like, maybe that's a sign that you should be pulling out and getting medical attention. So, um, yeah, here's an extreme example, but. I mean, as as far as um, like he, he does provide motivation and I've, I've spoken to a lot of runners who might be inspired by him or have decided to take up ultra running and things like that because I've seen what he can do. So from that point of view, that's great. Like he's bringing awareness to this sport and he's, he's mm-hmm. getting people to push their limits. But I would just have the little caveat that you don't need to push yourself to that far if you are... It's, it's not going to yeah. be good for you if you're at
0: that level. I think, you know, like the, the big thing is, you know, preparation. You know, I, I when I first got into running, um, I'm sort of in the boat of I, I, how do I say it? How do I articulate this to make sense? I love running and I also hate running. I, I, I love running for what it does for me in my head. But the actual physical effort of going out for a run, sometimes, uh, more times than most, I just don't enjoy it to that extent, like you would. But I know how good it is for me, so I do it anyway. When I first got into running, I was, uh, you know, very goganesque, you know, push, push. You know, that's why I was doing these ultras. In my first ultra, you know, I did a five-kilometer loop for um, Beyond Blue. And I actually got a stress stress fracture in my foot, but I kept pushing and I kept pushing. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I had a stress fracture from pushing myself for, you know, 10 hours. But then the aftermath, that's the thing I don't think people get. It's the aftermath of that. You cannot train. Like you're, your foot's broken. Like my foot was broken. I couldn't do anything. And then I was more, you know, I was in this hole of self-pity and go, oh, man, I'm not resilient enough that I can, you know, push myself to to the capacity that you know David Goggins would so you know I, I I'll put my hand up I I was a bit of a you know foot soldier I guess Goggins foot soldier but now the more I look into it you know there is a side of you know it's great that people are pushing themselves but to the extent and to the capacity of what he has been doing I don't I I don't want to do that anymore you no know, so you know to pivot this sort of on the same lines of that you know the preparation for you what does a day in the life of Phil Gore look like? You know, like, are, are you going out and doing like a marathon every day? Or like, what what does training look like? What does nutrition look like? What does the, you know, what does the nitty gritty, uh, I guess the ugly stuff that, you know, isn't social media worthy? Like, what does the behind the scenes look like?
1: Um, So I run basically every day. Um, The only time I've missed a day or a few days is when I've been recovering from one of these really big ultras. Um, and I've as much as I've tried, I've, you know, physically can't even walk. So there's no way I'm, I'm going to run. Um, and I always, I always start my day with a run. So, you know, pretty much wake up, have breakfast and go for my run. Um, I'm not running like I'll, I'll run, um, you know, anywhere between say 120 and 100. 80 k's a week I mean I did 190 k's last week but that that's kind of not the norm um and there might be you know a couple of long runs in there um one or two sort of interval sessions or hill repeat sessions um but and then the rest of it is just kind of you know 15 to 20 k's easy running each day so when I'm out there doing a lot of my runs I, I don't feel like I'm you know, pushing to my limit each time. Like mm-hmm. most of my runs are, are nice and relaxed and, um, you know, it's just about getting out there and ticking the legs over. Um, I run to and from work as well. So that mm-hmm. helps. That um, kind of gives me uh, like just that added sort of motivation. You know, sometimes when you might not feel like running in the morning, uh It's like, well, I have to run because I have to get to work. You know, I have to make sure I leave the house by this time. And, um, I mean, doing those run commutes, it's a really easy way to build the mileage up without feeling like it's impacting your Mm -hmm. week. So, I mean, some of my mates will drive, you know, half an hour to an hour to get to work each day. Um, So I can, you know, run five to 10 Ks and that's half an hour to an hour um, of running. And... So it's kind of just using up that that time, but using it doing running as well as mm. getting myself to work. Um, you know, I've, I've done longer runs, like the other day, I did a marathon on my way to yeah, work. Saw so that. That's oh my god. That, that's kind of an exception of circumstance. I, I generally wouldn't run more than two hours uh, before work, um, but I mean that's just an example of of just something. That I do and I like to do and um, yeah, by doing that marathon as a commute, then it's yeah, it, it's I mean, obviously I'm, I'm getting up a lot early. I was leaving the house at like four in the morning to start work by eight. But you know, it's just it's just a part of my day. It's just running to work that's a part of my day. Mm. Whereas I think on the days where I'm not working, it's a it's a little. It's a little bit harder to get out of the house in the morning because I don't have anything on that I need to be home for a certain time by. Um, and so, you know, I might wake up and I might dawdle around a bit more. But, I mean, most of the time I'm I'm still getting out of out of the house sort of just after breakfast and getting my run done. Um, so I've, I've kind of built up the habit over, you know, 10 years of running that that that's just the norm to get out and and start my day with a run. And if I don't start my day with a run, like sometimes I might leave it till lunchtime or leave it till the afternoon. And I don't know, I just kind of feel a bit like my day just feels a bit out of whack. So Mm. yeah, it does. It sets me up for the day. And, you know, like if, if, um, you know, running or even just fitness, um, you know, if you're the type of person that doesn't like to go to the gym, um, or, you know, find that thing for you that sort of keeps you fit, um, my suggestion would be to do it first thing in the morning because then you don't need to think about it for the rest of the day. If you, Mm. you know, you don't do it in the morning and then the the whole day you're thinking about, oh, you know, where am I going to go? When am I going to do it? Um, Yeah, just put your shoes on and get out the door Mm. and get it done.
0: I love it. Just, yeah, just get it done. Like, uh, I think, yeah, uh, I guess with like – People around me that are trying to get into running at the moment, I think they overcomplicate the whole thing. You know, it's just put your shoes on, get out the door, and one foot in front of the other. You know, I was in the habit of I I, I had to listen to a certain song or, or or something, and I'd procrastinate. And I went, no, nah, just go, like just get out the, just go, and everything else will follow. Well, now, that, my, that um... can be the hardest well, yeah. step. The hardest
1: yeah. well, step well, yeah. is just getting out that door. And then, so I will even tell people like when they're thinking about getting into running or, um, you know, they're just starting out, it's the most important thing is to just set up that habit. So if you're consistent with the, um, like you have certain, like you can have trigger points. So it might be a certain time of day, like that's your trigger. Okay, it's eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go for my run. Or it might be, you know, I've had my breakfast, now I'm going to go for my run. Or I've dropped the kids at school, I'm going to go for my run. So
0: Hmm.
1: yeah, you help kind of build that habit by stacking it on top of another habit. So if your habit every morning is to have breakfast, well after you have breakfast, you're then going to go for your run. And you might not be able to go for a run. Like you you might um you still you say you you eat breakfast but you've only got 10 minutes before you need to go out and do something. Just put your shoes on anyway, walk out to the Mm -hmm. letterbox, walk back. And just building that habit of putting your shoes on and you know going down to the end of your driveway is help um, helping to build that habit. And once you build that habit, it just and it becomes a part of your day. It's something you don't even think about. You're not waking up thinking, "Oh, will I go for a run today?" You just wake up thinking, "Oh, where am I going to run today?" Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, just focus on those sort of foundations first.
0: Now, from a sort of, I guess, recovery and injury prevention standpoint, like you know, what are you doing to recover? Like you, you know, to, 190k a week. That's you know, my max when I was training, like just predominantly running, you know, was a 110, 120. And that was for me personally, that was a lot. That was a lot of volume. So, for the amount of volume you're doing, like, what are you doing for recovery? Like, is anything, you know, I guess, is there some special pill that you're taking or or is it just simple, easy stuff?
1: Um. So, the number one thing for recovery, I think, is sleep. And it's quite often overlooked because it's not something that can be marketed. Um, It can't be packaged up and sold. Um, You know, there's all these sort of recovery drinks and recovery foods and, you know, recovery programs at the gym and, you know, ice bars and saunas and all of these things that can all be sold, whereas sleep can't be. So it's quite often overlooked, but I I think it's um, the, the number one tool for recovery. So, I'm very kind of particular with my sleep routine, Um, you know, try to have a regular bedtime. I'm not taking my phone or any sort of screens to bed. Like they're all charged in a separate room. Um, You know, I'll meditate before going to bed. Um, You know, I try to wake up at kind of a similar time as well. And um, even when I'm, doing these long runs I might be getting up early like say, I'm getting up at three or four in the morning Um, I'll go do my long run and then in the afternoon if I'm tired I'll have a nap and yeah don't feel guilty about taking a nap Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day like if you if you're tired your body's telling you that you need it so Mm -hmm. there's no sort of trophies for pushing through that Um, I mean it might be hard if you know you're at work during the day and you've got Obviously, you've got work that you need to do, but you know, if you're at home, or even first thing you do when you get home is just have a nap if you can. Um, yeah, don't don't underestimate underestimate the value of that. So, yeah, that that's my tip for recovery. Um, with the with the volumes that I do, obviously, this is not something that just kind of I went from doing five k's to 190 k's. So that's been built up gradually, and my body is adapted to that gradually. Like I remember when I used to just run marathons or nothing further than a marathon and my average week was probably 80 K's. And I would think that, you know, if I did a hundred K's, that was like a huge week for me. And now it's like, it's just a matter of, um, yeah, like what's sort of relevant to you at Mm. your moment in time, because at the moment, yeah, a hundred K's it's, that would be a really quiet week for me. Um, but I appreciate where I've come from when that, you know, used to be a lot. So as long as you kind of build up your mileage gradually, um, then, yeah, your body's going to be able to adapt and be able to recover from that. And even when I do like 190K k week, you know, that's not coming from, you know, my average week of 140 and then the next week is 190. There'll be incremental steps in there. So I might do 140, then you know, 160, then 170, and then 190. So it's, mm-hmm. it is, it is. even though I've already got the good foundations, there's still that gradual build-up in my weeks.
0: Yeah, what, what I'm really starting to recognise, you know, you, you hit it perfectly on the head. And I've had a few people on here, you know, I, I had Jack Anstey, who's actually from Alice Springs on the podcast, and, you know, he just got the Australian record for the the mile. You know, he is a pro- professional athlete sponsored by Under Armour. And I spoke about this on two podcasts ago, you know, they're trying to sell you something, some recovery modality, some, you know, special pill that if you do this, you're going to be recovered for the next session. And what I'm starting to see is that it's the stuff that isn't pretty that works the best. It's the simple, as, as, as much as it's overlooked, it, like sleep. Like it's, you know, just get a solid eight to 10 hours, whatever you need of sleep, and that could potentially be enough. You know, you don't need to do it, I guess, you know, for resilience, uh, a cold plunge every morning. And, there, you know, there are definite, you know, scientific benefits with doing a cold plunge. But, you know, that's the 1% of, you know, the, the, the recovery, I guess, pyramid if you want to look at it. You know, so you, you hit it right on the head, and with these professional athletes, like I, I'm I'm going to count you as an elite professional athlete. Like you, you have that capacity. You're if not, or one of the best in the world, and you know you you you're not you don't have the Novatech boots. You're not having a G one. You know the, the the greens powder or there's no protein brand that you're sponsored by that you're trying to push. It's just as simple as layman as, as you know sleep. That's it. Eat well, train well. You're doing it. You know your runs at, as you were saying, in an easy pace, um, and I think a lot of people now, you know, they see the Nick Bear on Instagram, the social media age of running. You know, they have to push themselves every every single run, and I fell into that category at one point. But it's just nice to hear from again one of the best that don't overcomplicate it. Like, just get a good night's sleep. So yeah, it's it's good to hear, and I, I think a lot of people get get something out of it that we are overcomplicating it. I yeah. I fucking overcomplicate it,
1: and I'm not saying don't do those other things. Like if you do ice baths and yeah, you find yeah, that yeah, helpful, yeah. then keep doing it. But don't overlook the simple stuff. Like sleep is it's yeah the number one. Like you can go and on an ice bath for ten minutes, or you can have a good night's sleep. I think the good night's sleep is going to give you a lot. A lot better value.
0: Well, I think now, in the, especially in this climate now, there is a, I guess, a zero sum approach to everything athletic. You know, it's it's how many minutes you you could be in the sauna, and you're comparing that to someone else. Oh, I did an hour. Oh, I did twenty minutes. How long we were you in the ice bath? Oh, I was I was in the ice bath for six hours, and I did this. But then when it comes to sleep, no one's competing on how many hours of sleep they got. Mm. You know, it, it, it's not like oh, I got. Six hours. It's actually the opposite. Everyone's competing at the opposite end of the spectrum of how much they didn't sleep. And I yeah. think that that's really got to change. Like I, I'm in hospitality, so I fucking hear it all the time. You know, oh, I only got three hours sleep last night. It's like, oh, great. Like, well, I, uh, that's horrible. Yeah. You know, you know, where I'm, I'm really focusing on trying to get between eight to ten hours each night. Again, I've got two young children. It is very hard, but you know, I tell them I, I got nine to ten hours of sleep. No one goes, oh well, wow, that's fantastic. It's you know, there's always someone trying to, I guess, uh, make it a statistic of you know trying to one up, if that makes any sense. So, again, it's just really, really good to hear from you, and I think a lot of people will appreciate because of what you've done, because of your running resume so i appreciate it it's good Mm, but thanks bear with me so you know to sort of close this out a bit you know my another question because i did tell someone else that i was getting you on the podcast and this is a question from them um so maddie this is for you you know how are you so maddie's trying to sort of she's got young kids as well she's got a family she's got other things like you're a fire firefighter and how are you fitting all this into your life? Like again, you're the runner, you're the husband, you, you've got a professional career. Like, how is this all meshing and how like how does that create your life?
1: Um, yeah, so it is it is a balancing act between work, running and family. Um, as I mentioned earlier though, the the run commutes they're ideal for just getting in those extra Ks without feeling like it's cutting into into that family time. Um and even like my, my kids are all a bit older now. I mean like the youngest one has just turned eleven, so they're all at school. Um and yeah, my wife my wife works and she works at the kids' school um, as a canteen manager. So you know I've got that time during the day as well, um, where I'm away from the family. Um but yeah, when they when they're home in the evening, you know, that's you know, that's when I'm home helping out with dinner, um, things like that. In the morning, if I'm running, like I'll if I'm not working and I'm not running to work, you know, nine times out of ten I've done my run and got back home before the kids are even up. So I can still come home and help out with those um, you know, um, getting them off to school and, and all of that. So and then yeah, if I have to get up early to get my run out of the way before I, um, you know, help with getting the kids to school, then I might need a nap in the afternoon and that's fine because, you know, they're all at school. And so it's just about kind of juggling it that way, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my kids are not super independent, but I mean, they don't need to be, you know, fed at two in the morning and things like that. Like they are old enough to to kind of look after themselves for the most part. Um, my wife is very supportive. Um, she she loves coming to my events and couriering for me. She gets all involved in um, that side of things as well. So she's more than happy for me to do what I need to do to get my runs done. Um, at the moment as well, my wife is training for a 24-hour run. So oh, wow. she needs... Yeah, so she has her time where, you know, she'll go out and, you know, it might be in the morning as well and we might both be out in the morning. Obviously, we're we're doing different paces so we might not be running together. Um, but, I mean, our kids, we can generally leave them at home for, for short periods yeah. whilst we, we get that done or, you know, she's going out um, after dinner um, and yeah, I'm, I'm at home with the kids and... Um, yeah, it, it, it can be hard, especially if the kids are younger and, but I think as my, my kids have grown up, you know, I've kind of gradually got into those longer distances as well. So for me, Mm. I think it's, it's worked out well. Um, my jobs, um, pretty good to work around as well. As I said, already running to and from work helps. Um, I can run during work time, so we do have a treadmill there, uh, but more, I very rarely use a treadmill. With It's more often just running laps out the front of the station. Um, so I can do that. Like we get we get allocated gym time and stuff like that. So I'll just, you know, use that to get some,
0: mm. some
1: extra running done. And just with my roster as well, we do uh, two days, two nights, and then four days off. So it's a really good roster to feel like I, even though I'm still working the same amount of hours, um, it just feels like I had a lot more spare time
0: mm. oh, it sounds like you've got it, you know, it, it's really working out for you. and I guess the results sort of show that. like you know, it's and I, I love how involved your wife is with it, you know, just watching her so supportive of you, you know, even even that video, you know, watching her like just giving you that hug and you know you've you've broke the world record. She's in tears, and it's like that is someone who who, who really idolizes you and you know, it has a massive role to play in your success as well. So it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And to, you know, like with that 24 hours she's going to do, like are you going to do the opposite and crew her or are you doing it yeah, together? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah cool. So I'll crew for her. So I'm not running that one because I've got a, another 24 hour, like two weeks before. So I'm going to yeah. be in recovery mode for that one.
0: Yeah. So sort of like, again, thank you for your time. Like uh, it's, it's just I love doing this to be able to get, you know, I guess an elite athlete's perspective on, on running and ultra running. So as I, as I say in every podcast, you know, like there's two sort of questions I ended on um, the first one being, what do you want my audience to know about you?
1: Um, uh, I would just say like, I, like I used to be, I, I never used to be this good. Like I, when I started in high school, I was, you know, just started cross country. Um, you know, we're doing distances from like two to six Ks and I struggled with those distances. I was always a back of the pack runner during the training. Um, but I just stuck with it. So I, I got to where I am today through, through building those foundations and just having consistency and just basically not giving up. So it's not like I, I just started running and I was just naturally gifted. Uh, this is something I've built over years and years and years mm. of just being consistent and being stubborn and just striving to, to do better.
0: I love it. You know, to be to be great, you have to be consistently good. You know, it's just ticking off those sessions each week and I, I guess, you know, If you said you were gonna, as you said before, like you got a 10 year running career, and at the start of that career, if you were to say, Oh, you've got you're gonna have to run for 10 years, that sounds horrible, but when you enjoy it and you're in the experience and you're running and you're doing it for you, you know, how do you eat eat an elephant? You know, you, you break it up into bite sized pieces, bit by bit, week by week, day by day, and eventually. I think everyone has a capacity with consistency to to do massive things like what you've done. So I think that that's a really great piece. And I guess for the person that's sort of getting into the ultras, you know, what advice would you give them? Like let's say it's, you know, just someone who's just starting out, wants to get into the scene, you know, wants to do their first backyard ultra, that wants to do their first 50k. What what what's your advice to them?
1: Um, well, I think the backyard ultra is a perfect event to to dip your toes into ultra running, because as long as you can do 6.7 Ks in under an hour, then you can do a backyard ultra. And even if you even if you struggle with 6.7 Ks in under an hour, you can still attempt it. Um and, yeah, you might be surprised at how far you can go. So if you want to run 200 miles, for example, you might, you know, if you sign up for a 200-mile run, that can feel very daunting and overwhelming, and even if you put in all the training and planning in for that race, when you start at that start line, you're still thinking, I have to run for 200 miles, and it it can seem like an insurmountable distance. Whereas if you do a back-out ultra, you start at that start line and you just say, i just got to run this 6.7Ks. Hmm. Then you finish that, do the next 6.7Ks. And yeah, before you know it, you've, you you might have hit your PB or you hit the 100-mile mark, hit the 200-mile mark. You just don't know how far you'll go until you try.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's good. Man, I, I really, I, I genuinely appreciate it. I think with everyone like that comes on here, I genuinely appreciate the insight. Like it's just cool to, I guess, talk to one of the best in the world. Like, you know, and and get a true, real, raw insight into in, into you know a day in the life of Phil Gore. You know, your sort of ideologies on running. You know, why we should run recovery modalities. I, I think it's going well, to put it, it. It's helped me. Like it, it, it just backs up my notion of enjoying it. I find it very difficult sometimes to enjoy it. I guess that's a personal demon of mine that I've got to get through. But you know, I've got to enjoy. It. Stop looking at, I guess, the stats on my watch, and you know, even just go for a, a trail run without the watch. Just uh, go. I, I love
1: it. my. I love my stats. I love Strava. I've, you know, I won't leave the house without my watch on. Um, there was one time I was actually I, I had to run home from work, and. um my my watch had died so i'd, I'd been able to run two work fine and then i got to work and my watch had died so i'm like how am i going to run home now i haven't got my watch um but my mate who lived nearby I had a charger so when he went on his run in the morning he'd come and drop the charger off and i <laughs> gave my watch a little charge so i had enough juice to get home um so yeah i mean i think stats are good um you know they can be a big motivator for people Mm. um i just i i think it's good for for looking back on on your history and seeing where you've come from um Mm. but yeah for some people just to go out there without having any expectations of pace or you know any any goals and just being out there and experiencing nature experiencing the body moving um and things like that it, it probably can be helpful to just you know leave that watch behind and, and not worry about it um but yeah for me i, I just like my stats too much
0: well look i'm taking up a bit of your time now we've been going for a bit and yeah as i said I, i'm i appreciate it and i appreciate the insight like it will definitely help a few people well a lot of people that listen to this uh it's definitely helped me and again i, I always just re-listen to it take some notes see how i can implement those strategies into just my life in general Um, So yeah, I appreciate your time, man, I really, really do.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed the chat, thanks for having me.